Welcome to the To Love, Honor, and Vacuum podcast. I am Sheila from the To Love, Honor, and Vacuum blog, where we like to talk about how to make marriage a passionate adventure and not a giant to-do list. And welcome to our first podcast, which is also on YouTube. Yes. So a lot of people have been used to listening to this, and this is still obviously going to be available on iTunes, Spotify, or wherever else you like to listen to your podcasts. But now um, my sister, Sheila's other daughter, is actually doing our video production and is our video director. And yes. so we're also going to be available on YouTube if any of you would like to watch me get angry. Um, <laughs> watch of, Rebecca's rant. Instead of just listening. <laughs> yes, there we go. Today we are starting a whole new series in the entire month of July called yes, Sex Questions You Can't Ask Your Pastor, which is a weird dynamic for mother-daughter to talk about. <laughs> this, <laughs> this entire job is a weird dynamic a Very for weird dynamic. So we're so far past that, let's <laughs> just embrace it. Yes, and t- the reason that we are doing Sex Questions You Can't Ask Your Pastor in July is because my book, 31 Days to Great Sex, is relaunching on July 14th. I used to publish a version of it, a, a honed smaller version of it but we've bulked it up i've created some new challenges and there's so much extra info in there and it's now being published by zondervan and so i have a box that just arrived that i have not opened yet so we are going to open if you're listening on audio i'm sorry that you can't see this yes (laughs) but we are going to open that box and just take a look at the books for the first time Yes, I feel like for, right. for the for the people on audio, it's gonna be a weird ASMR opening <laughs> boxes thing. Or Here something. we go, and I'm gonna try not to stab your arm. Thank you. Okay. Ta-da! There we go. Lots it's of packing peanuts. Packing stuff <laughs> that is bad for the environment. <laughs> and yeah, there we go. Thirty-one days to great sex. Nice picture of me on the back. That's such a better picture, too. I love that picture. So here you go. Start your 31-day challenge. And this sex questions you can't ask your pastor. We are going to be doing a special event on July 9th, an online event. You can send me in your questions, and I will do them. I will get to as many as I can, an hour and a half live event. You can also access the video afterwards. It's $20 to sign up, and if you sign up, you get a copy of this mailed to you. Plus, you get our 24 sexy dares perfectly free and you'll get an ebook based on all the questions that we've answered so for twenty dollars you get three different products and you get hey to ask me a question that i will hopefully get to in that hour and a half i'll get to as many as i can so click on the blog description or the podcast description for this podcast and the blog post that goes along with it and you can sign up which is super cool but we are going to get to some sex questions that you can't ask your pastor right now so a woman asks do you want to read it uh sure i'll read it okay All right, so a woman emails us and asks, I've been blessed with a wonderful husband who in the last year or so has been putting in some major work on himself for various things. And he has been encouraging me to voice my needs more and to be more proactive in taking care of myself. Good guy. Yeah. Wonderful. Okay. So what I found is that I am way more sexual than either of us gave me credit for because I was always waiting on him and he was always waiting on me. You see where this is going. Anyway, this learning curve has been great in so many ways, but it's also brought to light how timid and just awkward I feel in trying to signal interest to him and build up the mood in myself. Mm -hmm. I think it probably needs to be balanced with some advice for husbands too on how to respond and communicate because several times when I've tried, I've gotten weird reactions and it hits a tender spot in my heart. It (laughs) makes me feel not quite safe in showing that side of myself, even though I know that's not how he meant it. Okay, so here's a woman who kind of thought she wasn't very sexual Yep, and kind of thought... 
I'm, I'm, I feel awkward about the whole sex thing, but as her husband's gotten a lot more emotionally healthy and emotionally available, and as he's encouraged her to voice her needs, suddenly her sexuality has blossomed. Yes, which is no surprise. No, exactly. Right? You rediscover <laughs> that you're married to a really great guy who wants to be a great guy for you, and of course you're going to want him more. Yeah, you know? so that's wonderful. So, so far, so good. But the problem is she's still kind of dealing with this sex is awkward thing, so how do you initiate? Mm-hmm. And so she's tried to initiate a couple times, and he's like, what are you doing? That's kind of weird. <laughs> yeah, or it sounds also that she might be telling him, hey, this I don't like, and that mm-hmm. he becomes very mm-hmm. defensive about that, and he doesn't know how to react appropriately. Yes, yes. How do you initiate when you feel awkward? And, you know, I have, I've actually written about this a couple times, and I will put a link to that in uh, in the podcast description, and I guess the YouTube description that goes along with this now, too, is, is how, different ways to signal yes to your husband, especially if you do feel awkward, or different ways to initiate. But I think, honestly, it all starts with feeling confident in yourself sexually. Yeah, I think so too. Like, it's very difficult to feel confident with your husband unless you feel like sex is a good thing and a positive thing. Yeah, and I think also not only that sex is a good thing and a positive thing, but that sex is a good thing and a positive thing for you. Mm -hmm. Because I think a lot of people get that for other people, but it's hard when you yourself don't feel sexy. Right. Right? Right. Like, oh, well, sex is great for those people with, like, you know, a 24-inch waist and, like, (laughs) 34-inch hips or, like, that ridiculous standard. And so I think if, if you're someone who wants to be more sexually confident, but you don't see yourself as someone who can have sexual confidence, Mm -hmm. that needs to be addressed, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So read The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex. Okay, total, total selling feature here. But in 31 Days to Great Sex, so many of the first few challenges are all about how to talk to your spouse about this and because and and how to get over some of that awkwardness and how to discover what God really meant sex to be because it isn't supposed to be awkward yeah and how to get over that defensiveness because this Mm -hmm. is a really hard thing to talk about it's not just this woman no right many many couples find that they bring something up and their spouse kind of shuts down or gets Mm -hmm. defensive or is like oh, I'm so glad you told me. <laughs> and then they go, and you know they're crying yeah. like somewhere. Or yeah. just, you, know, yeah. you know that you hurt them, even though that wasn't the goal. Mm-hmm. And how do you talk about this without hurting each other, but still saying what needs to be said? Mm-hmm. Like, I'm sorry, there's no easy way to say I haven't had an orgasm in 15 years. Right? Yes, like, exactly. How- <laughs> yeah, exactly. So, okay, so feel confident in yourself. You know, read The Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex. Read that, like, like understand that God made sex for you too, absolutely. But then... We need to be able to talk to him. Too. Yes. And it, we, sometimes you just need to be totally blunt and just say, I feel so awkward. I want this to be a great part of our relationship, but I feel so awkward. So can we set up even some code words <laughs> if you're feeling hot tonight and you might want to do something? You know, you can even just say, I was thinking of making ratatouille for dinner. <laughs> yes, there you go. <laughs> no one really makes ratatouille. It's way too much work, right? right? But you can say, yes, I'm thinking of ratatouille for dinner tonight. Yes. What do you think? And he might say, I would love some ratatouille. Yeah. You know? And then if he knows that, if he knows that's what you're thinking, then if you do some awkward initiation, at least he doesn't have to read between the lines. He knows, he definitely knows that's what it is. Yeah. Then if you're, if you're kind of trying something new to flirt and trying some way to kind of hint to him, hey, I am available. He already knows that you're in the mindset. And so he's looking out for it more. Yeah. And so then you get the positive kind of feedback and then you just slowly, it's just practice. All this stuff is just practice. And if it doesn't come naturally for you, you just might need to practice a little harder. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) I do have a bunch of ideas for how to flirt in the book and how to initiate sex 
that can help. But I, I, I love a quote from C.S. Lewis, which I think we all need to remember more. And it's mm-hmm. from his book, The Four Loves. And he's talking about the different kinds of loves. And of course, one of the loves is eros or yeah. erotic love. And he says, when we banish play and laughter from the marriage bed, we might let in a false goddess. Mm-hmm. And what he's saying is that a lot of us take sex way too seriously. Like we forget how to play and sex at its very nature is playing with each other. It It's supposed to be fun. You're supposed to laugh. I mean, sex is, is funny. Like you squeak, you make weird noises, you smell <laughs> fun. Like everything is kind of just a little bit awkward. And so we need to embrace that awkwardness and we need to feel free to laugh about it. And I think when we make things really super serious, like... Mm. And we do that a lot in the church. We make sex super serious because this is a very important part of your relationship. Yes. And this is how he feels loved. And you must, you know, have sex a certain number of times a week. And, or else the angels frown at you. Yeah, and she must have an orgasm. And so we must always aim for orgasm. And believe me, orgasm is important. And we'll be talking about that later in this podcast. But but sometimes we, we heap so many expectations on it that we forget just how to laugh. And I yeah. think when you're... Just figuring things out, you need to laugh. So, like, get fortune cookies. Play the fortune cookie game, okay? Like, get mm-hmm. a fortune cookie, add the words in bed to the end of it, okay? Yes. It takes on a whole new meaning. Exactly. Yeah. You I think... have the equipment you need for the task. Yeah. yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Things, right? <laughs> like, you can't expect to be a lucky dog if you're always growling. You yes, know? exactly. <laughs> um, uh, uh, my favorite one was um, uh, reach out and lend a hand to a friend in need. Yes. <laughs> like, it just kind of makes you laugh. So... Just let's just lower, lower, um, lower the stakes in a certain way because yeah. you take it, you're able to take it a little bit lightly. Yeah. You can, you can understand something is important without making it a burden. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. something can be important, but you can still kind of take it lightly. Yes. So, yeah. yeah. So take a look at that and I hope, I hope that that helps. And guys, if she's trying to flirt, even don't if make she's her doing feel it embarrassed awkward, about it. Yeah. And like. And women, if he's trying to flirt, don't make him feel embarrassed about it either. Now, sometimes he flirts in a way that you really don't like. Like, if you're doing the dishes and he grabs a boob, that's totally a turnoff for most women. (laughs) Okay, and so, but that's a good time to say, hey, hon, how about we do that later? Yeah, or or like if you have a spouse who's very confident in their flirting methods and like 85% of the time it works, Uh but then 50% it's like, wow, that actively worked against what you were aiming for. Yeah. Now that might be an appropriate time to be like, yeah, I don't know, not really okay with you comparing me to your mother. Yeah. Um, Like those those kinds of situations you might want to speak up. But in general, use wisdom, know your spouse and be an encourager. Don't be someone to heap more embarrassment and shame on your spouse. Okay. Here's a question from a woman who's struggling with making sex a priority when they have little kids. Yeah. So here, let's read this one. My husband and I have been together for a decade. We were never a sex everyday kind of couple. We reliably had sex once on the weekends and occasionally during the week. I think the main reason we weren't super active in the start of our relationship was because we were both gaining weight and commuting over an hour. So we were unmotivated and tired. Now we have three kids under five and we are struggling. We sometimes go for a few weeks without having sex, longer in rare cases, and I think what worries me the most is that we both seem to be okay with it most of the time. We're getting healthier and losing weight, and our kids all sleep well, but it seems like most evenings we're just so tired. In theory, we'd like to be having more sex, but neither of us is initiating, so it's not happening. Our relationship otherwise is pretty great. We make time to connect throughout the week and have a date night and almost every Friday. When neither of us is motivated to initiate, how do we make sex happen? 
Yeah, I mean, I know she said, like, we have three kids under five and we're struggling. I would say that I think the we're struggling just means we have three kids under five. I think that's a little <laughs> yeah. bit redundant. <laughs> yeah. I will yeah. say that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> um, I'd like to go off on a bit of a rant here. Okay. Okay, because we hear this question a lot. Yeah. And and this is this is almost universally what people say. Like, okay, look, I, I know I'm supposed to have a great sex life. I know I'm supposed to want sex, but I'm just so busy and it's the last on our to-do list and and what do we do? How do we make sex better? And you know what? You're managing to have a date night in every Friday. You're managing to teach your kids how to sleep. Mm-hmm. You're managing to work. You're managing to get healthier. You're managing to do all of these things. And why are you managing to do those things? Because they're a priority. Yes. Right? You do the things which are the priority. Mm-hmm. And it's great that these things are the priority. Absolutely. Yeah. That's wonderful. But I think that when people say, we just don't have time for sex or, or somehow it's just not happening, the reason it's not happening is because it isn't a priority for you. Now, that may not be the case in some marriages. There might be totally. some marriages where there's a lot of relationship issues that are going on, porn issues that are going on. And I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about a marriage where they're in a healthy place. You know, they're, they're and, both. And both of them seem equally contented with the lack of sex. Right. That's a big thing too, right? right. It isn't like mm-hmm. one spouse is just, ah, I could go without. And the other spouse is like, ah, oh, but I can't. Yeah. Um, <laughs> so this is something where they're just kind of in a bit of a motivation rut. And what do you do about that? Well, you need to start thinking long term. Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, what do we want in our life? Yeah. And what do we want for our marriage? And if your marriage is getting boring, and if you're really content to have that Friday night date in where we watch a movie and we cuddle, which is great, by the way, wonderful, or yeah. whatever it is that you do on your Friday night date in, there's no reason why you can't also have sex there. <laughs> yeah. And I, I do want to say that I think that a lot of parent people, especially parents of young children, kind of feel like they need to have the sex life now that they want in five years. Mm-hmm. And that's not necessarily true either. The, there are things that need to be priorities. Yes. And you might be in a season of life where you have sex twice a month. Yes, and that's okay. And that's okay, but it is a priority, but it's a priority Mm -hmm. in its proper place, right? For them, their health and making sure they're working out every day and they have energy to work out Mm -hmm. may be more important, and so they may need to be going to sleep at 9.30, and so there simply isn't a lot of time for sex. Yeah. You know, because maybe they're they're getting their health under under control since they have five, like three young kids, right? Right. Or maybe there are just stuff with family and there's other things, and that's fine, but... Letting something just completely go to the wayside, which later mm-hmm. is going to be very important again. Yeah, is um, not healthy. It's not healthy. It's as if, if you were in a situation where right now you weren't in a financial, um, you know, hard time, hardship. Mm-hmm. You weren't in financial hardship. And so you just kind of let yourself spend however you wanted. Mm-hmm. That's not setting yourself up for success later. Right. Right? Even if you're not going to see any ramifications right now Mm -hmm. Um, and that's Mm -hmm. kind of what this seems to me it's not about how if you have three kids under five you need to be treating yourself like an empty nester right you know or like you were as a newlywed yeah um but it's about asking where do we want ourselves to be in 20 years and do we want Mm -hmm. to have a marriage that fizzled out by the time our kids hit junior high yeah and the other thing to realize is okay and we're going to be talking about this more in the podcast but but there's different elements that go into libido yes because some people have um, what we'll call a really sensitive accelerator. So uh, the, it's easy for them to get in the mood, mm-hmm. okay? They, they just need to see the right thing, feel the right thing, whatever it might be, and... Even just decide to have sex. Decide, yeah, even just mentally get in the right frame of mind, and their accelerator's pressed, and they're raring to go. Some people, on the other hand, have really sensitive breaks, yeah. <laughs> where it's really easy to turn them off. Yeah. So, you know, they might be almost turned on, but then they remember 
that they didn't mop the floor. Or, or they forgot to return the text to their father-in-law. Right, or, or whatever it might be, yeah. or whatever. And and some people have very insensitive accelerators, so it's very, very difficult to get it going. And it sounds like these guys might both have very insensitive accelerators. Yeah. So they're not very sensitive. It's actually not that easy to get them going. And when you're like that, it's important to, to realize it and to admit it. It doesn't mean there's something wrong with you, by the way, okay? Yeah. Like, we're all made differently. Some of us have insensitive accelerators, but insensitive brakes, too. So once we get going, we keep going. <laughs> you know, some people have insensitive accelerators and sensitive brakes, and that's really difficult combination. Yeah. You know, like, we're all, we're all different. And so if you have an insensitive accelerator where it's just really hard for you to get in the mood... I think it's important to remember that, like, God made orgasm for you. Like, orgasm helps you sleep better. You feel closer to your spouse. Um, you relax more. You laugh more in your life. And so this this does need to be prioritized yeah. in some way. Again, it doesn't need to look like, like you said, sex doesn't need to look like it did the newlywed days. It doesn't need to look like what it's going to look like in 10 years. But you don't want it to fall to the wayside. And... And that just simply means deciding it as a couple that we are going to prioritize it. There's nothing magical else that you can do. There really isn't. And and part of prioritizing it means that recognizing where you're at and then r- removing barriers, mm-hmm. you know, to mm-hmm. having sex, right? So yeah. if you're someone who takes a really long time to warm up, you know, maybe don't just give yourself half an hour in right. the evening where it's like, right. here's our sex window. It's from 9.45 to 10.15. Yeah. Yeah. It's got to happen in the window, right? Yeah. Like, maybe don't do that. Maybe think, okay, we are going to have sex once every week to week and a half or so, right? right. Say, say mm-hmm. And that's not what I'm saying everyone needs to do, but say yeah. that's what they decide, yeah. right? So then they say, Tuesday nights, you know, once we drop the kids off, at you know the their grandparents house because that's grandma night or something yeah we're just gonna go home and there's no screens yeah we have nothing to do yeah except each other yeah <laughs> like we yeah. are going to in essence yeah. make ourselves bored yeah so mm-hmm. that the libido can be like i know something you can do <laughs> yeah. right it's like would you like to clean the bathtub <laughs> or would you like <laughs> Yeah, to do the doo doo. Like, yeah, you know, like can you and, de- and and that can help. But I really think it is a matter of priorities. And you know, it's great that she's recognizing this. Yeah, that this is a problem. But you know, the only magic thing that you can do is just realizing, okay, I'm not somebody who feels like I need sex a lot, and my husband isn't someone who feels like we need sex a lot, but we know that our relationship needs sex, at least occasionally, and so what can we do to get our accelerators going? What can we do to feed our libidos, you know? And I am going to say, if you have a guilt mindset going into this, that's going to make it even harder. Yes. This isn't about, oh, I should be doing more. It's about deciding what kind of relationship you want and realizing you have the power and the ability to mm-hmm. actually pursue that relationship together. Yeah. And all it means is giving up a little bit of your, you know, maybe Netflix time. Yeah. You know, <laughs> or giving up some... Putting on the flirty underwear again. Yes. Like, you know, shaving your legs. Just deciding that <laughs> once there are holes in underwear, you <laughs> yeah. know, maybe those those underwear yeah. just get tossed. And, and just recognizing that, hey, the reason we're going to have sex is because... Sex is good. It's yeah. awesome. It helps me sleep. It feels great. It makes our relationship better. Hey, you even get fewer colds the more sex you have. Fewer forms of some <laughs> cancer. Fewer forms of some mental illness. Like, let's just think through how yeah. great sex is and that it was made for you and you don't want to miss out on it. Okay. Next question. Kind of a similar one where a woman says, do you want to read this one? Yeah, sure. I'll read this one. 
While filling out your recent survey, I realized that I am extremely blessed with a wonderful husband and a wonderful marriage. Yay! Yay. Um, besides that, my husband is an excellent, generous, caring lover. Double yay! Yay! <laughs> when we have sex, I am always able to orgasm, and we have a great time together. However, we currently have sex only about three times a month. We have kids, we're busy and tired, I also admittedly have some body image issues, but overall there really isn't an mm -hmm. excuse for a sparse sex life. How can I make myself want sex? It's not an issue of bad sex or not having my needs met, so what's the deal? Again, I think with so many people, we don't understand that we might have sensitive brakes or a very insensitive accelerator. Yeah. Um, and some people have very sensitive brakes. I have very sensitive brakes, to tell you the truth. <laughs> Maybe that's too much information well, for and you. I think that, but, and I think that people can have different levels mm -hmm. of sensitivity throughout the marriage, too, right? If you're mm -hmm. someone who is, like, revved and raring to go with, like, mm -hmm. super, super, like, the brakes didn't even exist, yeah. right? Yeah, Um, And then, you know, you have kids, and all of a sudden you've gone through the hormones and the breastfeeding hormones, and your body's yeah. changed, and you're tired all the time yeah and you always have a banana somewhere in your hair like yeah. you have a little bit of banana somewhere. her son just started eating bananas <laughs> yeah i'm telling you banana is so sticky um yeah. no but you can switch and so you still might mm -hmm. see yourself as one way and i'm not understanding wait, what happened to me yeah Right? Yeah. And I think just rephrasing it not as just higher or lower libido, but as why, does, how, how does your libido work? Not just how much do you have. Yeah. And that's why I think it's, it's, it's helpful to think in terms of accelerator and brakes because libido really is both issues. Yeah. And I think a lot of people, you know, so it's not just whether you can get going, but it's it, are things actively turning you off. Yes. And a lot of people have a lot of things actively turning them off. And this is what a lot of men don't understand about women too. Like they'll say, look, it feels great for you. Yeah. <laughs> like you really enjoy it. So why don't you want it? And she's like, I don't. Oh, no, why I don't want it. And so, you know, think about this. Like, if you if you think about it, what are the feelings that you have when you actively don't want sex? Like, what are you doing? Um, even even make a list of like some times where you've had a great sexual encounters, and sometimes where you've had terrible ones. And like, are there any commonalities with the terrible ones? And often we'll find. Now, you tend to have terrible sexual encounters when you just have a lot on your plate. You're mm -hmm. worried about tomorrow. You have so much going through your mind. Or you haven't had time to yourself today and you just want people not to be hanging off of you. Uh, and these things can all weigh on us. And so when we can start to identify these things and figure out what is it that stops me from wanting sex. And I go through a lot of that in my Boost Your Libido course. Like, what is it that stops me from wanting sex? And then kind of get rid of those issues and deal with those issues that can help. But it does come from a mindset. I think when, when women are waiting to want it, it very rarely happens. Yeah, and I think that what you were talking about for the previous woman applies here too, right? Where we need to remember that sex is not only a good thing, but it's a good thing for us, like mm -hmm. individually. Mm -hmm. um, and when you have this kind of situation where you're like, I have a wonderful husband, what's wrong with me that I can't want it? Mm -hmm. I, it might help if you, re, if you change your mindset so that it's not about, oh, I'm failing my husband this way. I'm not doing enough here. I'm like, the problem mm -hmm. is with me and more recognizing, okay, we do have sex like three times a month. Mm -hmm. So what gets me there in those times? Yeah, like why you know? is it that I want it in those times? So let's That's not special. just focus on the 17 times you don't want it. Let's yeah. also focus on like the three times you do. Yeah, and right? what do those things have in common? And see, it might be that you were more relaxed, that you had a lot more time with your husband that night, that you had less time with the kids, whatever it might be. But I also think, and this is a really important concept, this is this is module one in Boost Your Libido, so I'm going to give you a little bit of a, of a preview, okay, to that course. But... Um, a lot of us grow up thinking libido looks like this, all right? Because yeah. no matter what movie, TV show, whatever it is that you watch, the plot when it comes to sex is always the same. 
right? So the couple is together and they start to pant and then they kiss and then the clothes come off and they end up in bed. Yeah. No matter what you watch, that's what it is, right? So they're panting and then they're kissing and then the clothes come off and they end up in bed. And so that's what we think sex is, right? You pant, you kiss, close bed. Pant, kiss, close bed. That's sex. But then there you are at the end of the day. Scrubbing out the roasting pan. And you're waiting to pant. <laughs> and, and you're not panting. And so you figure that you're just not in the mood. And what researchers have found is that for women, that desire to have sex, what we would call libido, actually comes after arousal quite often. <laughs> so in other words, when you start to kiss, when you start to to make out, you start to touch, that's when desire kicks in for a lot of women. But if you're waiting magically for desire to start, often we just think we're not sexual beings. Yeah. And so I think a lot more women, it's like, it's like I remember um, when you guys were little and we would go to hotels. Are you about to ruin something from my childhood? No, I'm not. Okay. Don't worry. Okay. okay. <laughs> we would go to hotels and of course the most fun part for kids when you go to a hotel is the... TV. No, the pool. Oh, oh. yeah, the TV because okay. we, didn't we didn't have, have TV. TV. <laughs> okay. For most kids. <laughs> for most kids, the most fun part is the pool. Yeah. And so you and Katie and your dad and I would go down to the pool and the three of you would jump in and I would stand there on the top step. Yeah. And I would be like, it's so cold, do I want to? And I would put my toe in the second step and you know, gradually you let yourself in. And meanwhile, I've missed the whole, by the time I finally got in, you guys were ready to come out. Yeah, we were exhausted. And yeah, cold. because you were playing Marco Polo, doing all that stuff. But, and, and if I had just jumped in in the beginning, it would have been very cold. Yes. <laughs> but I would have had fun. And I think for a lot of us women, we just need to understand that you need to not step on the just the top step of the pool and you need to yeah. just jump into the deep end. <laughs> yeah, and I think that focusing on, you know, when you do have sex, like, you usually feel better afterwards. Yeah. So kind of reminding yourself of that can help you put it more as a priority because it, it's not just something you're doing because you feel like you have to because of your husband. It's something that you're doing because you know you're going to get benefits yourself. Yes, so there are sex questions you can't ask your pastor. Remember, we want to figure out what our accelerators are. If we have a sensitive break, get rid of that. But also understand that libido looks different than what we often think and the more we can think positively remember the, the great parts of sex the easier it will be to embrace it and make it a priority okay we now have a question that you probably don't want to answer we me. just there are some we're doing some more explicit ones and <laughs> we just don't think you necessarily want to watch a mother-daughter pair talk explicitly about <laughs> orgasms um, or listen to it uh, so i'm gonna zip out so. <laughs> and i will do these ones myself so here we go. Here's another question. My husband and I have been married for just a few years and I've never orgasmed. Since listening to your podcast and reading your blog, I have mentioned this to my husband a few times. For a few days, it's clear he's trying harder to please me. The problem is I'm not sure if what I feel is actually pleasurable and I end up pushing him away and not being able to carry on. When he rubs my clitoris, I feel something, but I wouldn't naturally call it pleasure. Sometimes it's more like pain or discomfort. I may have some shivers, but it gets to a point where I feel scared to continue, partly because I don't know what will happen, partly because I'm not sure it's really enjoyable. Mentally, I'm telling myself that it's pleasurable, not discomfort, but I'm not sure. After a few times of this, my husband seems to give up again and won't focus on me like that until I mention it again. What is it that I'm meant to be feeling down there? Do you have any advice for me to push through and get past the fear? I'm hoping that once I've experienced it, I'll understand what the fuss is about. All right, couple of things here. First of all, People, we really need to get away from this idea that it's okay to have a sex life where only he orgasms, especially for years on end. Like that's just not 
okay. <laughs> um, I understand that some women have difficulty reaching orgasm. And, you know, when I did the surveys for the Good Girl's Guide to Great Sex, I found that the best years for sex and marriage were years 16 to 24. Like, it takes, it takes some people a lot of time. I don't want it to take that much time for you, which is why, again, check out 31 Days to Great Sex. There's some great exercises in here to help you reach the big O. But this idea that it's, you know, sex is fine and it's normal that only he orgasms, really, we need to ditch that. <laughs> and we need to work at making sure that she's feeling good too. Now, that being said, he's going for her clit and she's feeling nothing. And she says, I'm not sure if what I'm feeling is pleasurable. If you're not sure, it probably isn't. And, you know, if your sexual arousal level is zero and you're feeling a little bit nervous about whether or not it's going to feel good and you're feeling super awkward, it's not only zero. It's probably like a negative 10. Like you've already hit some of those breaks that we just talked about, okay? So you're at a negative 10. And when you're at a negative 10 and someone touches your clitoris, it's just really icky. Like it's almost the equivalent of a pap smear. And I don't think a lot of men get this, but like it is almost the equivalent of a doctor giving you a pap smear because that's the context. Like if you're not aroused and someone touches your genitalia, it feels like a doctor's office. And so, yeah, it may not be that stimulating. Um, I did some blog posts recently on how arousal is the missing piece for many people. And what I think a lot of people are going through is that they, they, are, they are reading these books that talk about how to stimulate her and, and they're going straight for that without looking at the broader context. And in order for her to feel aroused, she needs to feel relaxed and she might need a lot of time and she needs to be touched in all kinds of different places. You know, there's a natural progression to sex. And this is what we talked about in some of those blog posts, which again, I will link to in the podcast descriptions for all of these, wherever you're watching it on whatever platform, please go look at the post that goes along with this podcast because there's always lots of rabbit trails. But I want to call this the happy days phenomenon, okay? For those of you who might be a little bit older, like me, Generation X, you'll understand this, but we grew up watching the show Happy Days. And Richie Cunningham, Ron Howard, before he was a director, he was the star of Happy Days. He, his character had this song he used to sing whenever he went up to the makeout hill, Blueberry Hill. He would sing, I found my thrill on Blueberry Hill. And this, this was a running thing throughout the show. And basically there was this makeout spot that the teenage boys would take the teenage girls. Now, I am not advocating for making out in the backseat of a car. That's, that's not what I'm trying to say. But what they found was that making out was really fun and that's all they were doing in happy days. They were just simply kissing. That's that's basically all they were doing. And sometimes they would joke about whether they got to a different base or whatever, but basically you're just kissing and kissing for long periods of time when there's no expectation that it's going anywhere else can be very arousing. And yet a lot of us women have missed that arousal piece because we didn't make out a lot before we were married or once we were married, we went right to sex without getting aroused again, and then we've never figured out how to get that arousal back. So if touching the clitoris is not feeling good, you gotta back up several steps because, you know, that's, even if you use the baseball analogy, right? You've got, you've got first base is, is kissing, second base is, I think, 
I never really thought into those terms, but I believe it's going under the shirt. You know, third base is heavy petting and home plate is sex. Well, you don't get to third base before you go through first and second. <laughs> so let's do the full thing there. And I think that that might help. Um, so I would say stop with going right for the clit and start and start with kissing and touching and start with a bubble bath and, and stop putting so much pressure on yourself that way. But also understand that like her pleasure does matter and going for years without her being aroused is not okay. So we've got to back up. We've got to figure this out. Again, lots and lots. That's really how I made 31 Days What to Great Sex is that we don't go right to third base or fourth base. Like, like we start with what you believe about sex. Um, the lies you've, you, you may have internalized. Body image issues. How to flirt. How to become more affectionate. How to get rid of baggage. How to deal with point. We deal with all of this stuff before we really launch into how to have an orgasm. And... Uh, I think that's all really important too. It's just lead up to this because a lot of us have forgotten some pretty big steps because as soon as we get married, we think we're supposed to have sex and then we miss out on all the steps that, that women especially need to relax and feel comfortable. All right, next question. Here we go. She says, my husband and I have been married for a decade. We were both virgins at marriage. Our love life has been increasing in intensity over the last few years, although I've only had orgasm through intercourse one to two times at the very beginning of our marriage. Out of some complacency, some frustration, and a lot of naivety, we have not pursued orgasm for me successfully until learning that many of my friends are orgasming with their husbands through manual stimulation. I want to too. I've read your posts about orgasm, but I'm having trouble not being frustrated. We've tried a variety of times, but not successfully. How long does it take before people are successful? And does the clitoris need continual uninterrupted stimulation to reach orgasm, or can it be interrupted and continue to orgasm during the course? of an encounter. Okay, so I would say a lot of the things that I said for the previous person apply here too. <laughs> Don't go straight for the clit. Work on kissing, touching, getting her aroused in other ways first. You know, even just um, sometimes a guy uh, running his fingers along the inside of your arm, the backs of your legs, uh, your stomach, everywhere except the erogenous zones for quite a while can actually be what women need in order to feel like, oh wow, some parts of me actually want to be touched. So so try some of that first. And then in terms of stimulation, yeah, like for a lot of a lot of women, manual stimulation and oral stimulation work a lot better than intercourse. Doesn't mean you can't reach orgasm through intercourse. And later this summer I'm gonna be creating a how to have an orgasm course where we look explicitly on how to reach orgasm first through stimulation and then how to increase the chances that you can reach it through intercourse. Um, but it, how long does it take? It really depends because it depends on your relaxation level. Um, it depends on whether he's touching you in the right way. It depends on so many different things, what's going on in your head. But I will say that it can be a lot faster if he is touching you right. You know, studies have shown that when masturbating, men and women can reach orgasm at roughly the same amount of time. It's not that women take longer, but with manual stimulation, women take a lot longer. And and that often is because men don't know necessarily where to touch. The clitoris is very, very small. <laughs> it's not a large piece of anatomy and he can be missing it. He can be doing the wrong pressure, whatever. So I would say if you take his hand 
and almost, or, or his fingers, and, and you show him exactly how you want to be touched. That can help a lot. That can speed it up. But you also need to pay attention to what your body is feeling and allow yourself to let go. So a lot of it really is a mind game. I will say um, that if you just haven't reached orgasm that way, setting aside a night where you say, no matter how long it takes, we are going to relax and we're going to do this together can really help. Um, and just don't give up because what happens with a lot of women is we start thinking, I'm taking too long. He's getting bored. This isn't working. I don't know if I'm feeling anything. He must be upset. And we start second guessing what he's feeling. And then we don't let ourselves feel pleasure. So, you know, take a night where, where, and, and allow him to reassure you that no, no matter how long this is going to take, we are going to get there. Show him how you want to be touched. Use his hand as if it were yours. Uh, think positive thoughts, have lots of massage oil, lead up to it well, and just see if that can help. Um, but you can get there. It just may take a while, but you can get there. Women were designed for pleasure, even more so than men in some ways. We're capable of multiple orgasms and um, in ways that men aren't. And so it can take a while to get there, but when you do, it can be really wonderful. So there you are. That was our first edition of Sex Questions You Can't Ask Your Pastor for July of 2020 when we are celebrating the launch of 31 Days to Great Sex. Thank you for joining me for some of our questions. Thank, yeah, no, for sure. And thank you for not being here for some of the other ones. Yeah, again, <laughs> no problem. And remember, July 9th, our live event for Sex Questions You Can't Ask Your Pastor. Register now and you will be sent a copy of 31 Days to Great Sex, a copy of our 24 Sexy Dares, which are really fun. That's an online thing that you can download right now uh, and have fun with those tonight. And then after our sex questions, you can't ask your pastor advice is over. I will be making um, a document full of the 75 most common questions and I will send that to you as well. So it's $20. Register now. There is a link in the podcast description for this and I will see you on July 9th.